I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood, the insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to protect and gently cleanse sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Brona English, a nurse and a mum of two, mental health advocate and creator of Snap Happy Mummy, to discuss a frightening but important topic, meningitis. In late December 2021, Brona's young daughter became ill quite rapidly. From fun in the shower to lifeless, Brona understood that something must be seriously wrong. Brona began to check knee for any signs or symptoms of what was wrong before trusting her gut and taking her to A&E. Neve was diagnosed as having meningitis and in this episode we talk about the early signs every parent needs to know and how despite vaccination meningitis can still occur and the most important thing parents need to do is act. For more information on the causes, symptoms and support for families who have experienced meningitis please visit actformeningitis.ie. Brona, thank you for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. Um, I have asked, well, firstly, I've always wanted to have you on because so many guests I've connected with are because of the event that you ran back in, is it 2018 even at it this was, point? It was, yeah. God, yeah. A long time ago, yeah. Um, I met so many women that day. It was, it was a day to, I suppose, raise awareness for ways with which mothers can support themselves physically yeah. mentally emotionally um and it gathered amazing women together in one room and I, I have to say like the amount of women Tara the navigation coach Sarah Tobin um oh I, I don't know so many that I met that day I walked around the room going I have to talk to you 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 and you were the woman who put it together yeah it was kind of phenomenal really like yeah it was quite a phenomenal day like I had suffered quite bad with like postnatal um depression and I just kind of wanted to organize a day for women um that they could find different areas of how they could make themselves better like like not everybody will rely on medication not everybody will rely on like meditation or like like the tapping from Sarah like there's different ways that we can all um get ourselves well and yeah it was just it was a really really great day and then I suppose 2019 I had Neve, and so I had kind of planned to do it again but that year I was like I won't then 2020 we had COVID and then like sure we've been in 
pandemic ever since. So yeah, it's definitely something that I would like to do again, but I suppose find the time now I've got two kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. gets that yeah. much harder, but yeah. wow, do we all need it after mm, yeah, yeah, the last two years. So yeah. um, <clears throat> if you could just organize that again, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was such an amazing day, mm. but that's not what we're here to talk about. Mm. Although I did want to say thank you um, for, for all you did at that time. We're here to talk about Neve. And we're here mm-hmm. to talk about a really frightening experience that happened in January. It's only, it's still very recent. Um, or was it actually the last couple of days of December? Yeah, it was the 29th of December. Mm. Yeah. Um, so she just, she was absolutely fine that day, you know, playing away. Um, we were getting her ready for bed, but she was having her shower. Um, and it was like, like, six half six and got her out of the shower was drying her and she just became kind of limp in her um, in my arms um and kind of like like rigoring like shaking um and then she began vomiting and as I was drying her I noticed now just a small few spots on her skin like nothing kind of alarming um and being a nurse I was like said to Darren like go get a glass just it's something that I do if there's any rashes and I didn't feel like it was disappearing wasn't quite sure um and then took her temperature and her temperature was 37.8 so it wasn't quite a fever because a fever is 38 um and I said no she's just she's just not right I think we should bring her um into A&E um but then I was kind of questioning my own gut feeling so my neighbor who's also um, a nurse um got her to come around and she's like no bro just bring her in like you you'll regret it if you do, if you don't kind of so we brought her in so she was down in Tala A&E within the hour and like she was still vomiting like was quite sick um and they said oh they thought it was chicken box um and they put her up on a drip and they gave her stuff um, like antiemetics to stop her vomiting um, and they said look if she, if she tolerates the fluids she can go home um, but unfortunately she didn't actually tolerate the fluids she vomited so they said look we'll admit her and they were like but look we, we, we do think it's chicken box some kids can get it quite bad um, but just in my own gut feeling I was like this could not be this could not be chicken box so over the 24 hours the rash kind of started to to develop and she was having more spiking more fevers so they had taken bloods and that kind of thing and then she just began just deteriorating like initially she was like fighting off the doctors fighting off the nurses you know when if someone came into the room she'd cry but then she just kind of became kind of unresponsive and um, like they had to do like urine samples like putting catheters in her and she just she didn't she didn't move um kind of when they were doing that um so like that next morning so it was about half seven or eight so the the team came in and there was about I'd say about eight or ten doctors in the room so like I'm used to being on the other side of it so when I knew there was that many doctors in the room I knew there was something seriously wrong and I could see that the rash had totally changed so the rash had kind of um changed to like a mottling kind of a purpley color with what it's actually called as patiki um and it's like a kind of purple kind of pinpoint rash. And this was not definitely not blanching. Mm. Um, and they said, 
look, we're not quite sure, but we think um, that it could be meningitis it, it, or it, it could be a number of other things, but we want to transfer her to Temple Street um, because Tala um, don't have a children's ICU. So I was like in shock, mm. like they wanted to transfer my baby to, to ICU. So within um, probably less than an hour anyway, we were in an ambulance and transferred over to ICU. And she was on like oxygen, the whole thing. Um, and when we got to uh, Temple Street um, ICU, um, Darren had met us there because he was only one of us allowed in. Um, so he was like, he was downstairs. So it was quite hard because of COVID, you're only allowed one one parent at a time. Mm. Um, and I know yourself, you had brought your little one in and it's, it's very hard when it's just just you on your on your own um, it's quite scary um, and they said they wanted to do a lumbar puncture on her so they did the lumbar puncture I'm not really sure how much time passed but then a doctor came out to the waiting area where I was sitting in, I, in ICU and said um, that the the bloods had come back and confirmed meningitis and um, so that had meant that it had gone into her bloodstream so she was she was septic um, and um, yeah, it was as a mother, as yeah, a mother and a nurse. Yeah, it's very distressing because you probably understand more. Yeah, around these words and about, as you said, just even the presence of so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think naivety might always be a little bit easier in these situations yeah. where you don't fully understand what it is they're, they're telling you how it must have been very hard for you being as you said on the other side of it yeah it was because like you're asking different questions that like as a mother you don't really need to know but as a nurse you want to know like I was asking like different levels of her bloods and like you know like for example like what's her lactic what's her CRP like but like no a mother doesn't need to know that but then and then when I got the results and they were so high I was I was panicking myself even even more um so yeah it was it was quite hard to try and be the mother in that situation <laughs> if not that not being our mother like obviously I was our mother but um yeah to try separate the medical um part of it um and but then the the lumbar puncture results came back then the next day and that confirmed then that it was that it was definitely it definitely was meningitis um and the treatment then was IV antibiotics so she was she was in ICU um then luckily then she was able to be transferred out onto the ward so we spent um a little bit of time then in in Temple Street and like it's just amazing how children kind of are so so resilient like she was so so sick but then kind of just like bounced bounced back um like they're, like if that was an adult <laughs> you'd be sick for weeks and weeks and weeks you know like <laughs> she was very 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 quickly um recovered now she's still I'd say she's 99% better she's still um having maybe the odd nap during the week which I won't complain about because she dropped them so <laughs> and like she's still a bit tired but other than that she's no um lasting effects 
but I know like with meningitis, like it's such, um, like it's life-threatening. Like there are children out there that unfortunately it's been fatal. And then there are also people that have had, you know, like um, long lasting effects, like losing limbs and brain injuries. And so she's quite a lucky little girl. Um, and that's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> um, but like, it was still such a traumatic ex experience. Um, you know, I'm lucky that I have a healthy little girl and that's, yeah. <laughs> Early intervention is key, mm -hmm. as we know, to everything kind of when it comes to, yeah. to, to children. And yes, they bounce back quick, yeah. but whoa, do they fall quick too. Mm -hmm. They go down really yeah. fast. Um, tell me more about that day as you said so she was having her shower like was she completely fine was there anything leading into those couple of days sometimes I always think they're a little bit grumpy before a virus kind of hits or was yeah. there anything that was happening um so 10 days previous she'd actually had um a chest infection so she'd um been tested for the for COVID and the whole yeah. thing and that was that was negative and I had actually I had rang the out of hours GP and I actually got seen by a doctor, which can be quite hard now in COVID times. And they started her on antibiotics and steroids. So that was 10 days previous. And she'd completed her course of antibiotics and steroids and it was completely fine. Um, so that day, like there was nothing out of the norm. She was like, she'd eaten her dinner. She was playing away all day. Nothing that I would have said like that she was mm. um, out of sorts. Um, so it was when she got out of the shower, it was very, very sudden onset, like go out of the blue, um, which was why I think I acted so, so quickly. Um, but yeah, like, um, like getting treatment as soon as possible is so important with meningitis because the sooner that you can start treatment, um, the better. Um, you say there about in COVID times and getting a doctor to see yeah. and I, I've experienced it myself like a level of mm. hesitation yeah which I didn't have a number of years ago mm. like I would have just made a doctor's appointment or rang the doctor or gone straight to to D-Doc or you know I just would have been more proactive where you're kind of like oh well we should book the PCR we should do an antigen or you know and at that time even over Christmas we all know it was days of waiting yeah. for these kinds of things but there comes a moment and it's strange that I experienced it in the same week as yeah. you we were both yeah. in Temple Street with with our little girls at the same time but there is something overwhelming that comes over mm -hmm. you when you just know act right yeah. now take them to hospital right now yeah. and I just think no parent should feel any sort of delay or self-doubt or anything when it comes when you feel that just do it do it yeah yeah that gut instinct I always say it like even as a practice nurse like to my I'd have lots of mums and dads coming into me and I'm always say trust your gut when it comes to your baby or your child because you're the one that knows them best and in fairness to the doctors in like Tala and Temple Street like 
they were like you know her best you know you know her so um like as parents we're their advocate um like they can't tell us otherwise um like I know she's she's she is talking now but she's only two and a half like so like they can't really say like mommy I don't feel I don't feel right you know um and because she was so limp and lifeless um it's just yeah get her straight but I know in COVID times and and there are parents out there that they say oh it's, it's a bit of a temperature she's just vomiting I might just sit on it overnight um but with meningitis if you were to sit on that overnight like it it, it could be worst case scenario and like nobody wants nobody wants that um so you're never going to be turned away from an A&E and like even if they say she, your child is fine, like, and you're only there for, you know, two or three hours. So that's great, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely worth bringing your child in and getting them checked out. Um, I just yeah. think never, never, never not listen to that because there's something wildly biological mm-hmm. connecting us to our babies that we just simply can look at them and know. That there is something wrong and I had that same experience in Temple Street where I felt like really supported by a team that were saying back to me you know we believe you you're yeah. her mother you know her best yeah you know that something um had occurred that meant that I needed to bring her in and but it was I was one of the lucky mothers who a few hours later was yeah told that her seizure was probably nothing and she could go home um and yet I still feel that upset like I still feel that like bringing your baby to hospital is just so frightening it's terrifying and I know she went by ambulance as well didn't Mm. she yeah like that that's frightening like the blue lights and the whole thing and I know when you have a small like a toddler like they're upset they're a, well she's obsessed with ambulances and like fire brigades when they pass by in this in the street in the like when you're in the car um but being inside one it's just it's terrifying like yeah like, I'd never even rang 999 before and had one of those phone calls yeah. or been yeah. in an ambulance so yeah. it's 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 those things that I feel like as parents like I was you know you and I both have our girls yeah. healthy and well and I just think of those parents that you know that do this kind of on a regular basis um but talk to me about how it felt again COVID times having to be on your own receiving all of this information um it was it was scary um you're have you're getting all your family are texting you and calling you and then having to relay that information it, and it, it's 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 frightening it's just not it's just not nice like at least if you're together you can support one another now but when she went into ICU and Darren arrived at Temple Street they allowed him to come as far as the ICU reception area but we weren't allowed in at the same time in just in to see her and um, so that was that was nice and that was comforting um, and I will say like all the staff, like there was a, a doctor and a nurse in the ambulance and like they were so reassuring and so and so lovely. And um, 
but at the same time it's not it's not your loved one it's not your husband or not your mom but you know like you want you want someone that that knows you um but like the staff the hospital in both Tala and in Temple Street so I just commend them like they were amazing they really were um so lovely this podcast is just one way that every mum can support you Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. And how was it for her dad to feel that he, you know, he was separate from this whole event? Um, well, we've both definitely experienced a shock um and a, a little bit of tra- little bit traumatized after the whole thing to be honest um like it only kind of hit us after you know a couple of weeks after like we're both like exhausted and just feeling so emotionally drained um yeah like like he was quite like upset by the whole thing really you know like not being allowed to to both be in there the whole time and then you know we had to be treated so um if there's a case of meningitis in the house everyone has to be treated with antibiotics so we had to have antibiotics and then we had to give antibiotics to Ushin he's five and the antibiotic they gave us was a tablet so that was traumatic trying to get the tablet into a five into a five-year-old and he he vomited it up and then I was getting upset and then Darren was getting upset because I was upset so we were everyone was upset um it's, yeah it's just just a horrible time how was Ushin about it you know I think as well like at that age he's kind of absorbing oh my sister is sick and she in hospital and what does it mean you know it, it, you also kind of have to parent through yeah this trauma when it actually you know you just want to curl up in a ball and we were very lucky now my my mom um my dad and my sister they all looked after him so he uh, initially thought he was on his holidays in nanny's house mm-hmm. um but then as the days kind of went on he started to kind of get worried like where is my sister and um you know we were saying that she was sick and you obviously don't want to frighten him too much but then because it was so serious you kind of have to let him know, you know, in, in in case something did happen, um, he was very good. Like he was, he was very brave through it. But towards the end, he was getting kind of impatient, and he wasn't sleeping at night. Um, he was getting in beside nanny, and it was, you know, eleven and twelve o'clock at night. You know, and she was trying to get him asleep, and me- mentioning things like like heaven and they this kind of thing. So. Um, we were doing video calls and that and that, um, but it was only kind of until she came home that he accepted that she was okay. But then she had to go back in then for IV antibiotics. They allowed her home, and then she had to go back into the hospital. And like he was kind of panicking, like, is she going to come back? You know, because the night that we brought her to A and E, we literally picked her up put her in the car seat and put him in the other car seat and he was in his pajamas and he didn't even have shoes on (laughs) like we literally just grabbed him threw him in the car 
and like Darren left us at A&E and that was the last that we saw of his sister for like a couple of weeks mm. so I do think that it, it, it affects him um because they're the best of little pals like there's only two and a half years between them and yeah um they kill each other but they're the best of pals <laughs> yeah and I know she's still quite young but does Neve refer to it or talk about it or how is she kind of figuring out what happened and what hospital even is yeah like she'll say I was sick and the nurses made me better that's her little um kind of memory of it um but she knows she was quite sick just remind us again of those key symptoms that you saw in that moment that made you know I need I need to move here. I need to go get her checked. Um, the limp and listlessness. So like flopping in my arms, um, vomiting, um, a fever. But bear in mind that that fever was 37.9 when I first checked it. Um, when we, I checked it in the car on the way there, it, it had gone up over 38. Um, and a slight rash, but the rash itself was only a couple of spots. It wasn't anything alarming. Um, to me, it didn't blanch, and but in A&E, the doctors felt it was blanching. So just for those that may not understand blanching, that's that's the the, the that's the glass that's, rub that you might remember the, as a child. Yeah, so if you put a glass over the rash, um, it won't disappear. Um, or if you put pressure on it with your finger, it shouldn't, um, it, it won't disappear quickly. Um, so yeah, that's what that is. And as you told me before we hit record, you know, the meningitis B vaccine is, is you know, is was available, she had had it. Yeah. Um, it's part of now the, the vaccines that are rolled out for the babies at the two, four, six, eight, 12 and 13 months is there an eight there may not be an eight actually no there's no eight no. yeah two four six twelve and 13 months vaccine yeah. plan that is in place for babies it is included in that but that does not necessarily mean that they are completely excluded from the possibility of catching it yeah so there are different strains of meningitis so there's um a b c w x and y and her serology came back that it was group B. Now, that's all very kind of medical jargon. Um, but she was vaccinated against meningitis group B. And as part of the schedule for children, children are vaccinated against B, C. Um, and then the other, the other vaccines actually do cover meningitis as well because you can develop viral meningitis. So, um, like the MMR vaccine would protect a child against viral meningitis. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people wouldn't actually know that. They think it's just protecting them against, say, measles. Mm. Um, but that could turn into a meningitis. Um, but yeah, she was just one of the unlucky ones. The meningitis B vaccine, the public health doctor told me that it's 80% effective. So there's 20% of children that's just unlucky. Um, did it did the fact that she have it minimize the symptoms in any way um, the pediatrician in there said probably but he wasn't mm. 
like there's no there's no certainty of it um but he said that like the pediatrician he said he was working in temple street for like the last 25 years um and he was seeing cases of meningitis you know about five a week and now he is he might see one a month so the vaccines have made a huge difference um i think before you press record there i had said like years ago when you and i were were kids it was such a fear that of your child developing meningitis and there were ads on the television reminding us of the, the signs and symptoms but since the rollout of the vaccines that awareness isn't really out there anymore but it, it is still a risk like um children and teenagers are still at high risk of getting meningitis and i think that's why i felt like we really needed to have that conversation today less children certainly are experiencing meningitis however as you said you were part of the 20 percent of families mm. where it did happen and it can happen and i definitely remember as a child it being like a a real thing with my parents if we were unwell like there was straight out with the glass rubbing and the blanching and have you a sensitivity to light and have you headaches and I just remember my parents really knowing the symptoms because it was a real as you said there was a big campaign of awareness about the risks and you're right I think that the vaccination program for our children because they have it I am less concerned. I am less heightened awareness of it. I don't jump to it. I certainly haven't jumped to it over the last two years because mm-hmm. there is something else that I will jump to first mm-hmm. and assume that that's what they have or that's what's wrong. Um, but that's not the case for everyone. And mm-hmm. there are lots and lots and lots of ways that our little children can get ill. Um, there's been so much focus on COVID and knowing those signs and symptoms, but actually we need to have heightened awareness around other very dangerous illnesses as well, including meningitis. And that is why I'm I'm very grateful for you to, to come on and talk to us about it. I know how recent and upsetting and still mm. in trauma, I'm sure you mm. all are. Um, I don't think any of us ever <laughs> shake an ambulance ride with our babies um but you've done so much through your instagram and sharing your experience and i know if anyone is listening to this and and has those signs and symptoms from this conversation they will act they will just go yeah i just can't stress how important it is to trust your gut feeling um as a parent um it won't fault you you know yeah no hesitation yeah, yeah absolutely not um i'm just so grateful that she's okay and it doesn't bear thinking about the yeah what could have been and just thinking about all those other people that tragically have lost their lives um it's heartbreaking but she is well she is well she is well yeah and I think there's a job to be done for the poor parents out there who have to who have to heal from these kinds of traumas too um 
but thank you so much for joining us and sharing that experience and I know that if anyone listens we will just all feel that little bit more aware and um, hopefully it'll prevent any delays thank you so much thanks so much for having me thank you Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Snap Happy Mommy on Instagram.